apparently a global pandemic is a surefire way to widen the global wealth gap. The uber wealthy have more money than ever and they're spending more than ever on luxury brands. You might say they have more dollars than cents, but why not? I mean, popping a bottle of Dom while wearing your $2,400 sweatpants from Loro Piana, that has to be uh, just about as impactful on their bottom line as you or me opening a bottle of Topo Chico while wearing the finest sweatpants from Target. It's obviously not only the uber wealthy, people in all wealth classes seem to be splurging on aspirational luxury brands. Uh, a trend that caught the attention of the Dumb Money Discord community, specifically a high conviction trade report posted by Andrew Tran, dumbmoney.tv slash discord if you want to check it out, it's completely free. His theory, in the roaring 2020s, there is one luxury brand above them all. Louis Vuitton, which happens to be a part of a mega conglomerate of luxury brands, LVMH, Moe Hennessy, Moet, sorry, it's Moet, it really is. Moet Hennessy Louis Vuitton, the French multinational luxury goods conglomerate that trades as an ADR here under the ticker symbol LVMUY. He compares them to a luxury version of Berkshire Hathaway, and whether you're in the working class or the investor class, or you yourself are the uber wealthy, today on Dumb Money, we are looking for a good old fashioned social ARB investment to cash in on the luxury brand that millionaires can't get enough of. We are Dumb Money. Three friends who turn $30,000 into $30 million using nothing more than Twitter and a zero commission trading account. The suits that work on Wall Street, they call those people the smart money. That's not us. Our goal is to help level the playing field for everyday investors. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. Welcome to Dumb Money Live. Before we splurge on luxury items today, I do have to ask you to splurge on the most affordable luxury item of them all, a tap to the like button. Can you believe it's 100% free to tap that button and it makes you feel as good, if not better, than wearing your favorite luxury brand and it really does help us get this video noticed by the almighty YouTube algorithm. Chris Jordan, I scoured my closet this morning and decided on this $800 Louis Vuitton plain black tee. It looks pretty much like all of my other plain black tees, but trust me, this one is legit. So um, in the report, I don't, are you putting on your Louis jacket? No, I just, no, I, I do not have one piece of merch that is of like luxury <laughs> brand, except for this. This is a Givenchy, did I say that right? Givenchy sweatshirt that I bought probably 10 years ago. It weighs about 30 pounds. And I think it was like, at the time it was so expensive, but I loved it. And then I put it on at home and I was like, it looks so stupid. I've never actually worn it in public, but this is the only piece <laughs> of uh, luxury that's your, that I that's have. That's your haute couture. <laughs> this is it. This is the only thing I've ever bought like this. And I never worn it because I like, I feel like an idiot in it. But um, do you know what I love about this episode is that Dave, so when I went to LA a couple of weeks ago, Dave forced me to pack half my suitcase with camera equipment when I was just going to do the whole episode on my iPad, which is fine, which is fine. <laughs> I'm glad I did it in retrospect. So Dave's in Mexico City. And likewise, I forced Dave to take time out of his vacation to go find the Louis Vuitton store to do some street research for us while he's in Mexico City. And you did, did it, right? Yeah. I mean, we were luckily, I was staying in Polanco and they have a flagship store in Polanco, just like two blocks away from where I was when you texted me. So um, I just had to put my taco down and uh, went right over to it. I By was, the way, I was Dave, basically looking to see if there was a line out the door and sold out products the way we're seeing on the U.S. website. 
Yeah, and it was it was just a normal day there, and they don't they were they were not running a line there, right? But like in Dallas, the Louis Vuitton store, and I was there this morning before they opened to do some little pre research, and like they're running lines there all the time, like constantly every day they're running lines. It's insane. Yep. But we have a lot to talk about here when it comes to this trade. First of all, I want to thank the community. Oh, is that is that the pick of it? Yeah, I want to thank the community big, so much well. for Continue. for this report. I, whoever, what was the name of the kid that wrote this report? Kid, I think it was Andrew Tran. A Andrew Tran. Uh, Andrew, you did a knock-up job of this this report. I mean, it was it was a really robust, high conviction report. If you guys haven't read it, highly recommend. Go to dumbmoney.tv, click on the Discord link, uh, get in Discord, go to the high conviction channel, pull the report, spend half an hour reading it. It's a fun one, man. It's like it's so fun reading this report. So many and social in this report, examples. He outlines in it. so many different things from brand prestige. The exclusivity, uh, some of the big name brand ambassadors. We're going to talk about all of this. Sold out products, Google Trends, social media traction, uh, the diversification of the, all their other brands, U.S. commercialism, European lockdown bounce back, the Asian market expansion. So there's there's so much to talk about. I don't even know where to begin. But the, he the taught place me that how I to say wait. I've been is, saying that wrong for 20 years, by the way. I've been saying that word wrong for 20 years. I was like, <laughs> Moet. And now it's I know Moet. how to say Moet. Moet, Moet. I'm Moet. still saying it wrong. Moet. You're still saying yeah, it wrong. Mo I, I wrote it down. Moet. I will never say it wrong again. Moet. But and I, the reason, I, the I reason it's pronounced that way instead of the second. French way. <laughs> say it again. I've got to run for a second. We'll, we'll find out why he has <laughs> to run in a minute because it's a funny story too. We have so much to get to today. But uh, Jordan will be right back. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, Moet. The reason it's not pronounced the French way, I googled this, I was trying to figure out. It's because it's a person's name, and that person was Dutch origin, and so it's pronounced the Dutch way instead of the French way. Moet. Um, Dave, LVMH, this is a company that was a, one of my largest trades ever a few years ago. Um, we would we did so much social research on this, but I don't know, five, six, seven years ago when they were first popping, when Louis Vuitton was, mm -hmm. was really hitting hard for the first time in a long time. Like I, I was knee deep in social research and I've kind of like over the past four or five years, I've kind of lost touch with this company, but I've been thinking about it a lot over the past year. And I really appreciate that we have a community to like draft up a report to like kick me in the butt to be like, dude, take a look at this again. Like I've been looking at it like a little bit here, a little bit there, kind of regretting that I didn't get into it this last year. But like finally the community forced my hand to really go deep in on this research. And I just feel sick to my stomach that I didn't do it earlier because we've missed such a big move. The big, big question move. today is, is it still worthy of a social arm trade? And for us, because we're not we're not financial advisors, we are not we do not recommend doing anything based on our trades. So please, this is about us, not you. We don't we will not recommend anything. Do not mimic our trades. We don't know your risk tolerance. Poke holes in the thesis in this report in our thesis and make your own decisions. Speak to a financial advisor. But listen, Dave, this is so fascinating because you know I believe so strongly that Wall Street still to this day, 2021, one of the biggest opportunities as a social arb trader 
is an arbing brand traction. Wall Street never fully appreciates the power of the brand. Like they see it, they understand it. Even if it's out there and everybody understands that the brand is popping, Wall Street just never, they truly don't understand how to place a value on that. And it's always stunned me how bad Wall Street is in placing value, financial value in brand. And I have a hard time thinking of brands other than, you know, we have brands like Crocs, of course. We got even Build-A-Bear's popping now, right? That was, do you see that Build-A-Bear trade, how it worked this week? That's Mm -hmm. insane. It was 45% in the last 24 hours, dude. They crushed earnings. Um, But this has got to be one of the strongest brands in the world. And somehow they're figuring out how to get even stronger. Like they just, and not Build-A-Bear, but you Build-A-Bear too, but like Louis Vuitton, which is the marquee brand here for LVMH, and they have so many amazing brands. They are somehow figuring out how to get stronger. And when you look at what's happening right this second, because social arb investing is not about predicting the future. It's about really your ability to accurately understand what's happening right now. This brand is popping so hard right this second that like it's like it's a train that you can't stop. And like all the momentum is in the favor of this company right now. And we're going to talk about why that's happening on this episode and all of the drivers behind that. Dave, can we talk about all the pieces of this brand? Let's just let's just like can we lay out all the brands that are under LVMH? Yes. And there, there was a graphic in the report that I pulled, and uh, it's, oh it's God, a kind brands, of a mess to even look at, right? <laughs> let's talk but about the this, big ones, though. This gives you kind of an overview, though, because they, they're divided up into multiple business units, basically. They have their, you know, their alcohol division, their leather and fine uh, apparel division. And so this, this kind of gives you an idea of, uh, in general, where the brands sit. But but from you know from Fenty to Sephora on the makeup side and the perfume side, Bulgari, I know I'm saying that wrong on jewelry. They recently acquired Tiffany, uh, which I thought was a really stupid thing to do until now when we're post pandemic, and I think Tiffany just might have the best next eighteen months in the history of the company, and they own mm-hmm. them, okay, for various reasons. Uh, they have, like I said, uh, Bulgari. They have uh, Cheval Blanc. They have uh, Belmont. Uh, they have oh, Givenchy. They own this sweatshirt. Is one of their brands. They own Fendi, Hennessy, um, uh, Mo- Moet. Now I'm saying it wrong again. Moet is that right? Moet. That's right. Moet de, Sh- Moet de Chandon. Uh, they own. Uh, now I'm going to say the other one wrong. They own Dom, obviously Dom Perignon. They own Vu, and I'm saying probably that wrong. Uh, basically, all you need to know is that they own a big chunk, a big chunk of all the world's most powerful luxury brands. So let's talk about the Roaring 2020s thesis, Dave, because our thesis is that we are going to see spending unlike you have ever seen spending the next 12 months, 12 to 18 months around the world. And a big part of that spending, if you thought the stimmy money was good for people, do you just wait till you see the money from the investor class that has done so well the last year? The yeah. investor class has made more money globally than the rest of the world times 10, okay? And 
there is so much pent up money to be spent because the investor class has not spent money on vacations. They've not spent money on restaurants. Now here's, before we get into the positive thesis, let's just talk about the neg the negatives. Let's talk about the, the counter argument to this trade. The biggest counter argument to LVMH the next year, if you read the reports, if you listen to the analyst questions, right, of their last report that was in January, all of the negative, all of the worry, all of the concern comes from this one thesis. And the thesis is now that the world is getting back to travel, now that the world is getting back to eating out at restaurants, are they going to have less money to spend on things? Because the last couple quarters have been surprisingly strong for LVMH because the thesis is people have had no time or money right, to spend on restaurants and travel. So all the money is going into these luxury goods. Now that they get back into the real world, will they have less money and time to spend on this? And I think that that thesis is trash. I think it is absolutely trash, okay? Because you could only spend so much money at restaurants and travel in a defined period of time. Over the next few years, you could spend a lot. But you're not going to be able to even spend that much money on travel over the next 6 to 12 months. Because, first of all, travel super limited right now, right? And if you can travel, just doing one or two trips is a big deal. There is so much savings that have happened, Dave, right? We talk about this. Most of the money that you saved this last year has gone into paying down debt. And if you're rich, and there's a lot of rich people right now in the world, let's be honest. Rich got rich, richer. The rich got richer. They're just looking for a reason. Just give me a reason to buy a fancy dress. Just give me a reason to buy a new purse. By the way, I interviewed, um, it was actually a streetwear store at the Galleria here in Dallas, and they don't sell this type of stuff, but it's streetwear, but it's really expensive streetwear. And I was talking to the manager. I was like, dude, this place is packed and everything you sell is crazy expensive. Who are these people that are spending like 400, 500 bucks on kicks and then another three, four, $500 on like a shirt for streetwear. And they're like, because of Instagram, because of the way people are socially connected, People want to have a different look every single time they go out now. It's like it's not enough to have a really cool like like this shirt or this hoodie or these sneakers, but like you want to wear a completely different sneakers, completely different stuff the next day and the next day because everything's being photographed and it's more about and we've been talking about this for the last few years, right? But the same if you think that's happening in streetwear, you could better believe it's happening when it comes to high fashion, okay? It's like, what person am I showing off today versus tomorrow versus the next day and the next day, right? It is sick, the pressure that is on people to kind of put out a certain kind of, I don't know, I don't know what you want to call it. Like, I'm not one of these people. Like, I, I feel embarrassed to, like, show something that is, like, putting off that I have money or something. Like, that embarrasses the hell out of me. But the it's rest of the world does not tea. feel that way. The Nesta world, they do not feel that way, right? Like, I know. They're like all about pumping their stuff. So anyway, I think there's so many themes going on here, but let why don't we just start with El, with, with the, the primary brand, which is uh, Louis Vuitton. Um, so first of all, just straight out, you know we love collabs. The collab strategy is one of the smartest strategies for any any brand in the world, yet there's only a handful of brands that fully understand the power of the collab. 
our favorite brand, Crocs, really understands the power of the collab, right? Yes. Louis Vuitton has absolutely mastered the collab for high-end luxury goods. They execute it so well. No matter what part of the world they're marketing in, they pick the perfect talent to collab with. And just when I thought they couldn't step up their ability to collab even more than they have in the past, they somehow pull out of their butts this ridiculous collab with BTS. For those of y'all that don't know, right? BTS, South Korea, uh, like one of the hottest groups in the entire world in terms of global reach and just in terms of fandom, right? People upset, like if you're into BTS, you're just completely obsessed with the five kids that make up BTS. And no one really expected this. This was a real surprise collab. And if you look at the early data behind this collab, it just might be one of the most powerful collabs in the history of Louis Vuitton. Why? Because it reaches a consumer set that extends well beyond the existing Louis Vuitton kind of brand target consumer. It essentially broadens the coolness factor and broadens their reach to a global set of people that maybe they appreciated Louis Vuitton, but they weren't hyped that they needed to have a Louis Vuitton XYZ. So if you start reading some of the tweets, and I just want to read you a couple guys. I don't know, Dave, I don't know what your phone, if you're, are you still on the Mexican phone number that we were tweeting, no, no, that I'm, we were texting? Or? I'm on, I'm on back to my American phone number. Okay, so you probably didn't even see any of the stuff I was sending you this morning. No. But like, I, I want to just read this to you because this kind of blows my mind. This is a tweet. Uh, sorry, I sent a bunch of tweets. I'm just trying to find the right one. Uh, this is a tweet with BTS, and it's it's shoot, Dave. I, so can I just send you? You a can share. Right you can now. share your own screen if you have it on your computer. Oh God, I don't. I don't is the problem. And uh, so not not Dave in Mexico, just the old Dave. I'll text you. It goes. That is a Louis Vuitton sweater. This is one of the BTF kids. BTS kids. Uh, the tweet is. That is a Louis Vuitton sweater. Oh, that Louis Vuitton sweater is going to be sold out, basically, right? And this is like representative of tons of tweets that I was seeing relative to this BTS collab. Basically, people are freaking out that these kids are wearing now uh, Louis Vuitton merch. And here's another tweet. Uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, but Jamin's, I guess, Louis Vuitton Demir Salt Jacquard Crewneck. A million has been sold out completely, nearly in multiple countries, 12 countries and regions, reaffirming his status and strength as the brand king. He wore it during the late show with Stephen Colbert as he captivated viewers. So I actually think that they have maybe the most powerful collab right now in the history of the company. And this is going to be a massive tailwind for this brand the next few months. Um, I think it's going to massively increase uh, their brand cachet with a global audience of kind of younger kids that would maybe take every single paycheck to get in the Louis Vuitton right now. And that's just so amazing about this brand. People that can afford it, millionaires are buying it. People that can't afford it are finding out a way to buy it, right? Because they want to present yeah, that exactly. image to the world. It's sick how big this, big this brand is. Um, in general, let's just talk about in general Louis Vuitton. Uh, Louis Vuitton, and this is a lot of data that came out of the High Conviction Report, so I really encourage you guys to read it. They are selling out 
unlike I've ever seen them sell out merch before. Now, they've been selling out merch for the past six to nine months at a pretty steady rate through their e-commerce division. But if you go on their website right now on Louis Vuitton, it is mind-numbing how many things are sold out. And if you think that this is like, am I just missing things? And like, you know, I'm just only looking at the stuff that's sold out. Again, I will go back to the tweets. And there's tweet after tweet after tweet. And I'll share another one with you, Dave. Everybody is talking about how they cannot buy uh, Louis Vuitton merch because everything they want is completely sold out. You just can't get it. There are people saying that they've been trying to buy purses for the last year. Everything that comes out, they can't buy it. The entire website is sold out. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the fact of, is this trade, has it reached parity? Because everyone knows the brand's hot. The stock is up. It's at all-time highs. It's crushing it. I've always felt that for me, there's never a bad time to pile into a company that is just slaughtering it day in and day out. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the one to determine when that game is gonna end. As long as I could see the demand before the market, as long as it continue, as long as they continue to sell out everything they're able to manufacture at ridiculous prices, because that's another thing. This brand is one of the most inflation insensitive brands in the world, meaning yeah. they could keep, they could just push up their prices. This is not price. There, there is so much price elasticity in this brand. Meaning if you're willing to spend $5,000 for a Louis Vuitton purse, you're probably willing to spend $5,500 for that same purse, right? It's not like, okay, I'm not going to buy it because it costs an extra 5%, 5, 7, 8%. Absolutely Here's some of the items sick. that are still available on their website. If you if you happen to want a thirty eight hundred dollar handbag <laughs> or uh, this monogram knit top for thirteen hundred dollars, I mean, <clears throat> those are some really nice sneakers for fifteen hundred dollars or so, eleven hundred dollars. Jordan, the first thing we talked about was the was the thesis that would be the counter thesis to this trade, which is people are going to go going to go out, start traveling again, spending money again on travel and restaurants, and they'll maybe have less money or interest in spending money on things. And my argument to that is one, you could only travel so much in the next 12 months and spend so much money on meals. But more importantly, two, this is a high-end brand that really caters to people going to more formal things like dinners, like like weddings, like big charity events, like when you're traveling internationally, which by the way, isn't really starting yet, but will start to kick in towards the end of this summer going into the fall. So this is the type of brand story that I think benefits when people start going to more formal events and eating out and traveling internationally and doing all that type of stuff. That's when you really want this type of merch, even more so than you did because you just happen to have a bunch of extra money and nothing to do during the pandemic. So yeah, I, I, I agree. appreciate this is like the a, thesis. This is a to be seen in brand, right? And so that's the thing is if you get some sort of, I don't know, I hate to say it, like some sort of insecurity, you know, maybe this this brand helps you solve that insecurity because now you're, you're wearing your LV or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I think this is a coming back type brand, you know, coming back out in the world type brand. Yeah, you and put I, your best foot forward because say, you haven't been seen by anyone for a year, and now you're going out again for the first time. It, it makes sense that people are spending more than they normally would on clothes, and the super rich don't care, and they're going they're just buying as much as they can. And they've made a, they've made a Bernard Arnault the richest man in the world, right? And so did, did you come up? Did you bring that up? That now the stock price has gone up so much 
um, trading at like a 55, 60 PE, something crazy um, that now the CEO is now the richest man in the world. Yeah. And that's another topic, Jordan, is have we reached information parity, right? Obviously, right. the stock's trading up because the numbers have been unusually good the last couple quarters. But if you look at the numbers, we see them as being pretty darn good. Overall, they're still down in America and definitely down in Europe, but they're absolutely crushing in China. The China numbers are up like 80 plus percent year over year, which is not fair because they were crushed last year uh, due to COVID, but they're up 20 some odd percent, maybe 25 plus percent from 2019 levels, which is still absolutely spectacular. And I think what we're going to see is the even stronger rebound in the US and an even stronger rebound in Europe once we get there post COVID. So I think you're going to see every single territory in the entire world on fire for these brands as we approach the next few quarters. So I'm not, listen, I don't look at price. I don't look at fundamentals. All I know is I think we have a story and a narrative that continues to exceed expectations over the next couple quarters for the same reason as our other recovery trades. While people understand and appreciate that the recovery will be strong, I don't think they understand just how strong it will benefit yeah. these brands. I think this is going to be fire for the next six to 12 months. And, yeah. and, and I think that's really where a lot of the, the question, at least among the uh, the live chat that's going on, people are saying that, that yeah, the, the fall was the time that to get into this brand. It's run up so much since then. Uh, and has the information parity for this as a social arb trade already passed? Pretty much, does everyone does everyone already know that this brand and Louis Vuitton and all of their other luxury brands are already kind of overbought, or is is there well, still that, another six months for this thing to run up? Right. What I want to bring up, Chris, is that right before. I mean, I think it was right before you know the world got thrown into the pandemic is that we were talking about changes and trends where there's going to be like a blow like a blowback against um, some of these types of brands right to where people are trying to be a little bit more chill they don't want to flaunt their wealth as much um, but I mean they've been they've been I mean that's against of what's actually been happening because people are actually buying this stuff right and so not I don't know I'm kind of torn on this also I mean so I was wrong somebody pointed out to 68 PE I mean this thing has gone vertical and we sh we've shown the stock chart right it yeah, is we, crazy so, so do you think this thing just again, like is I, this something you think could double right from here or have I, we I, uh, Jordan you know you know I don't look at stock price I don't even care or want to know what the stock price is doing I don't want to know what the PE I don't care about PE the bottom yeah, line is it's the past indicator that other people have realized what we're realizing right now. Well, no, what I, what I all I care about is the next few quarters, and they, they don't really report by quarter, they port, report twice a year. So like the next two halves, right, <laughs> they'll report again, I think in like July, uh, and then again next January. Will the next two halves, <laughs> reporterly reports, will they exceed already high expectations? for this company. And I want to lay out all the segments. I've already said, I think the apparel the apparel segment for the reasons outlaid will exceed already high expectations. I think people can't wrap their mind around the anomaly that we're in, which is going to be the strongest 18 months in the history of our universe for retail and luxury brands. And people 
going out of their freaking minds, spending money on stuff because they are just excited to be out in the world and they just want to flaunt and they want to impress and they want to feel good about themselves and like all the things, right? Like, I just think, yes, Jordan, I think people might have their expectations right now at a nine. And my thesis says it's going to be a 12 or a 13 on the zero to 10 scale. Well, that thesis is pretty aggressive. I understand that. And, but that's my thesis. My thesis on a zero to 10, we're going to get a 12. Okay. Now, but let's just go, let's move beyond apparel. Let's talk about no, the I'm other gonna, things that they do. Something else with Louis Vuitton, and yeah. like specifically. I mean, it's one of those things that it's, it starts becoming less special the more, you know, the more saturated it is. I feel like the Louis Vuitton purse is pretty saturated. I see them all the nope. time. It's, it's it's different because right here's the thing. Like, you, you want to be differentiated in the crowd. You want your LV on there. And it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of passe, right? Jordan, I understand how at the surface level one might think that, but if you go beyond the surface, what you will find is that while the Louis Vuitton brand in general is becoming more saturated, what they've been able to do is they've been able to layer like premium ultra premium and like super ultra ultra premium variations of that brand behind the primary brand. So it's now no longer about do you have a Louis Vuitton purse, but which Louis Vuitton purse do you have? The same way that Nike, you can anybody can get a pair of Air Force Ones for 75 bucks. But there's $500 Air Force Ones that are super premium exclusives, right? So they have figured out how to produce a product for all the different layers of consumers that there's this aspiration that exists all along the train of consumers, right? So there's various tiers yeah, for like, of For an untrained eye like me, it's like you've got the E-Class and then you've got the AMG, right? And they, they, they just yes. keep cranking them up, right? Not only that, like, but I don't they know the were... difference between any of that stuff because I don't buy luxury products, right? I invest instead. <laughs> so... Well, me too, me too. But but Jordan, understand this: they have what they have created is they've taken accessories at Louis Vuitton and they have basically retrained people's minds and expectations to where they don't. If you spent three grand on a Louis Vuitton purse last year, that's fine for some people are happy about that just to have a Louis Vuitton purse. But the top tier of Louis Vuitton customers, they are they are they are trash unless they have the one that just came out this month. If you're if you're not carrying a Louis Vuitton purse that came out this month, the one that everybody just saw pop up on the trend list this month, you are trash. Okay, they figured out how to also brings into play some of the other. What what about like Poshmark and the and the other ways that you can participate in this trend towards needing to have the latest fashion but not wanting to pay for the latest fashion, right? I think I think that there's there's a play there too. There's a play there too. And has uh, I I was just googling to see if I could find an example of this. When will Crocs come out with a Louis Vuitton line? It doesn't um, look like it exists, and I believe that the only thing I found is uh, is probably knockoffs on this random website. Dave, but uh, <laughs> Dave, you, you just you just want me to pass out, don't you, you know, dude? You know you how just want me to pass out. remember the Crocs Balenciaga? That was that was an amazing Croc for Crocs. I don't know what it did for the Balenciaga brand, but do you remember they, the hat like, the Louis Croc hat that Balenciaga made that was like four hundred dollars? Did you ever buy that? That was, I buy that. 
Dude, we were so into Balenciaga and all those collabs back then. And then, like, by the way, um, uh, not Canada Goose, but uh, what's the other one that we invested in back then? Uh, uh, we did an episode on them, an original OG channel. It was this. It was this winter coat brand. You know, gosh, what did we do? We got kicked out of even Marcus for that. Uh, oh, the winter coat was, brand. Uh, yeah, Montclair. yeah, Montclair. 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 Montclair also was the king of the collab. Um, but but here's the thing. I, I want to say this, guys. Uh, it's not it's not just about apparel. The thing is, this is a company that's hitting on all cylinders. Because if we move beyond apparel, we what's one of our favorite subjects right now? Liquor wine champagne this is one of the largest champagne brands in the entire world like they own they basically have cornered the champagne market now was there a worse time for champagne than this last year no weddings no charity events no big formal events no people going to formal restaurants no people doing the crazy international travel yet yeah. on the on and, the flip and you can side, make your you can make your home mimosa with cheap champagne sparkling wine but you yeah. can't serve yeah. that at a fancy party and now that we're now having people get back in touch with each other and show up in person it's time to impress again and so the bottles of oh. dom and moet are coming out i was at a dad's uh thing like a, a school dad's dinner last night uh at Dunstan's, okay, with 18 dads. And we had two tables and we had all, we were drinking, I had beers and regular drinks at my table. I look over at the other dad table and I swear to you, at Dunstan's, they had champagne go. I mean, a bunch of dads. For, for those I not think local, they were just Dunstan's. Yeah, Dun Dunstan's is is not a high end <laughs> steakhouse. It is more of a uh, retro. It's like a hometown sizzler. It basically, yeah, <laughs> yes. it's, a, it's a local, uh, lower local, end. Yeah. A strip mall style uh, steakhouse that that somehow survived since the 50s, and they've kept the interior of this place identical to 1956. Oh wait, does or 66, they, maybe. Make, do they own uh, Vuv? It's yes, only, yes, uh, they do. They do. Oh, I, I they own, I'm a customer then. They own every oh, brand of champagne that you enjoy. Like All once, three of them. Yes. Once every once a, once a year, I'll have some Vuv. Dude, Jordan, let me just tell you. It's something. my go-to. You know how. Do you know how many bottles of Vuv we go through at Chelsea Corner on a Saturday and Sunday? I think we go through like 140 <laughs> bottles. Like, like do you know how many we go through like, at uh, Inwood Tavern? Zero. Because <laughs> like everybody brunches now. Like we're yeah. going, we're about to enter the year of like drinking brunches again, Sunday fun days again, like all the big events. This is going to be the year of freaking champagne. Okay. So let's just, let's just say this, whatever people think this company is going to do in champagne sales, they're going to do more. Okay. I'm just going to say whatever they're going to do, think they're doing. Whatever I don't know what analysts are projecting. They're going to do, do better than whatever the know. analysts are projecting on this. Yeah. I don't even know. I just know they're going to do more. I don't even know. I don't even want to know what they think they're going to do. Whatever they think they're going to do. I just think they're going to do more. That's all. Gotta... And I know it sounds ridiculous to say that, but they're going to do more. Okay. So let's get to one of Jordan's favorite topics now, which is high end jewelry, right? So Jordan, they, 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 I say that because what's your favorite investment right now? You've said it a billion times. You've like doubled your money in it in six months. Signet, oh yeah, right? Signet Jewelers. Yeah, Signet Jewelers. Well, that's a Jordan style jeweler if there ever was one, right? But here's the thing. Wait, you know here's who my thing. jeweler is? Quelo. I've got these little rubber uh, wedding rings that I wear. 
and they're you know you you, are, they're twenty bucks you and you rip them like after about a year and you buy a new one for twenty bucks. And your wife is totally fine with that. She's totally she wears fine. them now too. So we both we just wear these little rubber oh these little rubber wedding rings. Oh my gosh! There's, no, so, there's nothing fancy behind the curtain here. All right, let's just let's. Can we agree? I don't care what your favorite jewelers. I don't care if you're high end like. I thought that the Tiffany acquisition was the most desperate, ridiculous thing, and they they did it right before the pandemic hit, and then they tried to weasel out of it afterwards, right? And I know I haven't followed the whole story, but they ended up having to buy them. I, when I heard about that, I was like, man, they're really stretching now because Tiffany. I don't know. I felt they were so richly valued at the time. I was like, are they really, what are they going to do with Tiffany to make it that much better? And I just didn't like it. Now, coming out of the pandemic, we're about to, if there was ever a time to own Tiffany, ever a time to own Tiffany, the next 12 to 18 months are when you want to own Tiffany. So guess who owns Tiffany? LVMH owned Tiffany at the perfect time. They are going to crush it because people are going to go out and there's going to be a ton of engagements. There's going to be a ton of jewelry buying. There's going to be a ton of inner, you know what Tiffany really uh, does well with international travel. So when the people are going to international cities, they're spent, they're spent, you know, they're spending big on these, on these pieces, right? Like I don't do that stuff, but that's what people do. And Tiffany is going to come roaring back probably in the second half of this year. Once international travel starts to pick up, I think they're going to crush it guys. And it's not just Tiffany. They have some of the biggest luxury uh, jewelry brands in the world uh as well and like i think they're really going to crush it so they're going to crush it with apparel they're going to crush it with champagne and wine and spirits because they also have like all the fancy spirits and stuff they roll into that portfolio they're going to absolutely crush it i think with the jewelry side of what they do and then ready for this you got to remember they also own four of it they own mm -hmm. Sephora, and they're also one of the biggest manufacturers of perfume. They have the some of the biggest perfume brands in the world. Well, who on earth is wearing perfume during the pandemic? Nobody, right? So, like that is also going to have, I think, the best twelve to eighteen months in the history of perfume sales ever are coming up in the next twelve to eighteen months. So, I think this is just a company that, yes, you see it like flying high right now, trading at high PEs. I'm not going to debate that. And I know expectations are high. I think they're going to meet them and kind of blow everyone's mind the next 12 months with beating them and blowing them out of the water. And uh, I think it's a pretty good chance it trades higher from here. Yeah. You know, that's, that's I, my, that's I my see thesis. that too. Yeah. And, and, and basically you, I, you don't look at charts, but I look at this chart and it kind of always goes up and luxury brands are going to be bigger next year than they were last year. And I just, I, I also agree with that thesis. Uh, by the way, they're also they have a streetwear brand. It's it's killer. Like they just this is a company, by the way, that is you know say what you want about luxury goods and the luxury good world. If there's anyone that understands how to manage these guys, yeah. they know how to manage. Like they know. And, by the way, they they pulled a lot of cost savings in Davis last year. They spent yeah. the last year like all the other companies we love. They have figured out how to reduce costs the last year in a major yeah. way, which has pumped up their margin. So Jordan, even though their sales are still down, part of the reason why that stock chart is nuts right now is because they've increased their margins because they pulled out costs out of the system. So now we have a situation where if they do as well as I think they can do the next 12 months, they're going to be at a lower cost rate that will come back. The costs are going to, they've, they've actually come out as a company and said, Hey, 
are they're going to come back. They're going to come back the cost, but they're not going to snap back overnight. They're going to slowly creep back up like they always do. But I and, just think this is like the magic window for this company. And this is a company that I have owned in the past and I've done well, I've made money and I have not held it. And I've kind of regretted not holding this company. I, I don't think for me, this is so much a social arb trade as a, I want to get in because I see a social arb thing happening, but this is a company that I kind of want to be in for the next few years, right? This isn't just six months and pop out. This is, I, I like the company longer term. I see other um, people yeah, are, are saying similar things. Past, I will probably not be buying them up here. If we get if we get a little pullback, I might buy them. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, but I can find. Hey, hey, look, you know what? Been a you know, pullback I don't pay top price for Louis Vuitton. I, I buy it at a discount. He's what he's buying right he's now? buying his Louis at the uh, Louis factory outlet. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, here, here, here's, here's the thing guys. Um, let's talk about how to buy this stock, how we buy, and we're not telling you to buy this stock. Please do your own homework guys. When I have traded Louis Vuitton in the past, I have usually done it, uh, by buying actual shares of the real company, uh, on the Milan exchange, the Milan exchange, right? It's, so it's a Paris based so company. Yeah, so what I will do is I will usually transfer money into my Schwab Global account. Then I have to transfer my U.S. dollars into euros, okay? And I have to pay a stupid fee to do that. I hate it. And then after I do that, I could then trade on the Milan Exchange through Schwab Global, which is actually a separate account from my normal Schwab account, uh, which I don't even use my normal Schwab account. I only do this for global trading. And then when I sell it, I then have to transfer the euros back into U.S. dollars, and I take that money and I transfer it back into my normal U.S. brokerage. Now, I don't want to go through that hassle, right? So I'm not investing a lot. I bought 2,000 shares, and instead of buying the actual stock, I bought what's called the ADR. So the ADR is basically a tracking stock that is on a U.S. exchange, and yeah. what they do is they take a small amount of real shares, uh, and then they basically mimic the value of that, and it it's like a it tracks the value of the actual shares. It's I would never invest a lot of money this size. I would never yeah. do it because it's it trades almost like a low liquidity stock. You can't get in it or get out of it really quickly. They'll kind of rip you off. So like, yeah. when and, I you, and you can it, see I'm actually like, at times like was. like this past twelve months, the this this ADR, which is not even it's like a, a pink sheet kind of. OTC marketplace. I don't even know where it trades, uh, but LVMUI has well, actually speaker. outperformed the under yeah. underwriting uh, LVMH on the Milan exchange. So the green chart here is the Milan exchange and the orange one is the trading stock and it's it's outperformed uh, over the past year and which, you know, if you look at like a zoomed in view, you can see it doesn't trade. This is this is five days, and you can see that it only trades during our hours, and you know it. There's these these gaps that you know there's no trading happening, so it's it's not a perfect science, and that's why Chris is saying when he does large amounts, he's doing it in his global trading account, and when he's doing small amounts, you're okay with the kind of slippage on trading a uh, tracking stock like that. Yeah, in ADR, because like if if the if the European stock goes up two percent. And the U.S. one opens up at two percent the next day. I'm fine with that. But then if the U.S. one opens up four percent, I'm like, wait a second. Why am I paying four percent when the actual stock only went up two percent yesterday? Unless, unless information comes out 
during our market hours that aren't haven't yet been reflected in the European stock. So it gets kind of confusing. So just if anyone ever trades an ADR, just know you have to be super careful and don't like chase it. Like whatever the ask is, like whatever the ask is when it opens in the morning, I'm not paying over that by more than a penny or two. Like I'll just do, sit do on it. And wait the currency is affected also probably. So like if the euro goes up versus the dollar, that can make a difference, right? Yes. Yeah. And so it's kind of confusing, which is why, like, honestly, guys, I have so many medium to high conviction trades right now. And you've seen them all. We've been talking about them, you know, from like Crocs to, to Molson Cores to Funko to Build-A-Bear, all these crate like to, to, uh, to um, Playa Resorts. Like I, I am in. I am levered, guys, 60% right now on margin. So for me to invest in something new, it's like a trade-off that I either have to borrow more margin or I have to sell something else that I really love. So like, I'm not, that's why it's a pretty light investment for me at like a couple thousand. It's like a $400,000 just straight equity investment, which at my portfolio size isn't a crazy amount. Um, but I do like this. And I feel for me, the risk reward and the diversification I wanted to have some allocation in the luxury world because I think the luxury world is going to blow up the next year even more than it has already. And I like the risk reward, Jordan. I, I really do. I like the risk reward. I don't really see, I mean, there's all kinds of big downsides. The downside would happen if there was like a massive like economic or like tax issue, right? That kind of killed the the killed the upper class, right? That could really harm them. Or if there's some some like tariff issues going on or some supply chain issues, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong. And it's but global. So it's it's war. if it's a tax thing in the US, but it could also be a tax thing in Europe or in the Asian market. So it's like so all of these all of these risk factors, you, you have to just like multiply what could happen in the US across all the other countries that, that we expect to do well with luxury brands, but there could be all kinds of things that go they go on in other countries that uh, and, that cause luxury brands to not do as well as, as we would think. And Dave, thirty to thirty-five percent of their revenue comes from China like 20 to 25% ish comes from the United States and the rest comes from, you know, Europe and, you know, the, uh, what do they call it? The other, uh, Saudi Arabia and all those countries. Right. So like, like the rest comes from that part of the world. And so like, it truly is like, this is a global story, but gosh, guys, like the collabs and the BTS collab, like, I feel like everything right now is just a massive tailwind for these guys. And it's just really a matter of how well do they execute? And this company has done. So Did you see that latest tweet I just sent you, Dave, about the NBA partnership they have? I want to talk about that. Can you pull up that tweet with the yeah. big NBA bag that sold out everywhere? Yeah. I don't know how much they charge for that. Thousands and thousands of dollars. But guys, they have a three year streetwear partnership with the NBA. And this is the type of stuff that this brand is doing. And like they release this stuff and it instantaneously sells out. It's dude, Jordan, don't laugh because that thing is like the hottest bag in the world, dude. Oh my god, you it's wish literally the same Louis Vuitton bag that I've seen every basic person own, and no, then they just put, they put the NBA logo on it. Yeah, but it has this. That makes it special. <laughs> dude, it's collab. No, look I can at the literally go buy an NBA sticker and put it on somebody's LV bag, and they'd be like, "New bag." 
New bag. You just eight thousand dollars. You just don't understand, dude. <laughs> People know that you, you got to understand this. When that bag hits, we are talking about millions and millions of impressions across social channels around the world. Everybody talks and sees that bag. So it's now imprinted in the brain. And basically now, not people like me and you, Jordan, but there are a lot of people that are like, man, if I could just be seen in that bag, wow, dude, everybody's going to be looking at me, talking about me, commenting. <laughs> and so, you know, I did, I, I will admit this. I, I don't, I don't do this for this reason, but guys, I wore these shoes, uh, which are the Travis Scott SBs, right? I, I wore these. I wore these shoes out in out in LA for the first time because I just I love the plaid. I love the coloring. Like this is my. This is just the perfect like shoe. Like I love it. And it was wild. Like everywhere that I went in LA, every if I went into a store, if I met with people on the street, people would stop me and be like, "Love the shoes." They some people because LA is a very Scott different shoes. kind of market. LA is is the market where people. Do notice your shoes. Uh, that doesn't happen in Dallas, Texas. I'd it, like to paraphrase it, no, Morgan Housel when he's talking about... No, hold on, hold on. So I want to talk about Morgan Housel, and he talks about cars, right? So like some of the luxury cars. But it's the same thing with these bags and with shoes and with the luxury clothes. People, when they see you, they're not like, oh, wow, this person's cool because they've got these clothes or the bag or whatever. They they just they want the bag for themselves, right? And so there's no reason to wear any of this stuff because nobody cares what you wear. Jordan, I know that. I actually heard more. I was just listening to his deal where he talked about that yeah. actually, and I totally agree. I don't want. I don't care about it, but people do. What what he was actually saying was that he was saying what people actually believe, but the reality is people think. That if they wear it and they have it, right. that people will be looking at them in that way, even though they're not, they think people will, because they don't even see it in themselves that when they look at people, they're not thinking about the person's cool. They're thinking, I wish I had that so I would be cool. Like, I'm just saying it's part of culture now. You can't fight it. It is what it is. It's this, and social media and the digitization of like expressing yourself digitally with the entire world that you know, that that basically extends what you're wearing beyond the people you're out with that night to literally every person you've ever known in the history of your life going all the way back to high school. Like that is such a massive motivator for people to stretch and spend more to get that feeling that they think is going to project on them, even though we know it doesn't. You can't fight it, Jordan. Like we know, Morgan knows, but nobody else knows that. Nobody else knows Look, that. If I see somebody with a Louis Vuitton bag, I just and it's brand new, I just think, oh, wow, they're $6,000 poorer than they were a few days ago. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I, I think about, <laughs> I, I they can invest in that in Crocs. They can invest in that and build a bear and quadruple their right. money over the past 90 days, right? That's what yeah. I think. And then they could have had the bag plus had another 3X that much money to do, I don't know, whatever they want to do yeah. with it. You know, But like we always say, it's, it doesn't come down or... to what we actually would spend our money on. It's do we see the market buying these kind of things? Do we see people spending a lot of money on ridiculously expensive fashions? And yes, the answer is yes. We do see people spending money on ridiculous fashions. And the prediction from me is they're going to be spending more this year than they did last year. And that's it. That's all I need in you this know, one. That's it. You know what I would, you know what I would Have love we been to on too long? My, my background light burned out. <laughs> <laughs> is it time Probably. to wrap up? No, I do know, want to talk about you, one you other thing because 
Because Louis Vuitton is uh, is collabing with BTS, the uh, the K-pop band. Uh, I saw this chat. Who's McDonald's going to collab with next? Well, guess what? They're collabing with BTS. That could be huge for MCD. We we might need to do an episode on is McDonald's about to blow up? Yes, can and you, we found out like, about there, one, is there one some of cognitive our- dissonance here where you like you partner with Louis Vuitton and then you also partner with McDonald's? It just they just seem like. Opposite. I mean, can you wear your Louis Vuitton? Uh, it just shows like, that it shows the, the versatility of BTS because their audience is global. This more isn't, so, this isn't me out of on the BTS. US. I'm it's weird, right? So, like, why would you be like a your aspirational band? But there are aspirational brands that you're you know pumping up, but then you're also like eat McDonald's is trying to become an aspirational it, brand. Because it, you know why, Jordan? I'll tell you why. It keeps it in a weird way. It keeps it real. It keeps it real for because it's like, hey, I'm not just like <laughs> promoting and partnering and collabing with fancy luxury brands. I'm also like, I got a sandwich at McDonald's, and Charlie D'Amelio is partnering with some of the coolest brands in the world. But what does she actually love? She actually loves going to Dunkin' Donuts and getting her little shake thing. And to her, that was like a super cool thing in her life because that's something that she was doing every day anyway. You know what? BTS, I think <laughs> they probably honestly love going to McDonald's sometimes. And it's pretty darn cool that they can go into McDonald's and have their own sandwich or whatever it is. Like, it's just part of being real. Like, and I think it's, I actually think it's awesome. But what I want to see more than anything else is I'd love to see like Jordan sporting like a Louis Vuitton fanny pack, dude. That would just make my whole life. <laughs> just like, I just think, I think we know what to get out. for Jordan for Christmas. There is a 0% chance that I would wear that. What if well, we then, then I'll definitely be getting together. the uh, knockoff counterfeit version for you because why why waste the money on the real thing? Yeah. Um, so the BTS meal, by the way, is a uh, ten piece chicken McNugget, medium fry, and Coke with two Korean style dipping sauces, sweet chili, and Cajun. They basically are repackaging existing products, putting some special sauces in, and now they have a brand new meal that everyone is going to be talking about on social media. Didn't we just get an email about that this morning from yes. Kayla? Yes. Didn't we just, Robin Hood she kid, literally put together. Robin Hood kid sent a research, like her first draft of her first report for oh. our Discord community. And it's this McDonald's story. And I think we need to talk about that in a future episode. Yes, we definitely will. Um, that I mean, I, I, I think it's awesome that her mind is, is, is going to social arm, just like we asked her to. Uh, yeah, guys, I'm not going to talk about caring today because we, we caring owns Gucci guys. It's another similar play to LVMH. And the only reason why I'm not going to discuss it is because we just spent a lot of time researching LVMH and I haven't spent as much time researching, um, you know, that company, but they're like the parallel company, but I do love the BTS partnership. And I think that's another massive driver right now. Um, Gucci's obviously killing it. They're killing it as well. So, Bruce and Bass says that I need a Louis Vuitton barbecue grill cover. Oh, you would hate that too, dude. dude. Don't get me wrong. Like, I can't handle this stuff either, dude. I just, I can't, I can't do it. Like, I'll drink a nice bottle of champagne. How much was that uh, sweater that you've got on in almost June? I don't think I don't think I paid that much for it, but the original price was pretty ridiculous. It was almost like a four-figure hoodie that I paid like way. I got it like seventy percent off. It was still crazy expensive when I bought it for me, but I thought it was like a really. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't. I've never worn it out of my closet. No. It's now a tax deduction because you've worn it on our show. It goes down almost to my <laughs> knees. That's how long and heavy it is. It's like that's kind of ridiculous. Um. 
Okay, guy. Oh my God, AMC, dude. Our friend Jerry's in in the AMC deal. Uh, oh, can I? The AMC man, it's just nuts. God, I can't even believe these meme stocks are heating up again. I really, I really can't, dude. It's just, it's just, it's just insane. It's insane. Look at that, dude. That's, yeah. That is insane. If you told me that AMC would not only uh, bounce back from its that that crazy run up it had, to it, it makes no sense. I the world doesn't make sense. We should just get out of investing as we know it. Yeah, Jordan, why did you disappear earlier? Someone just asked the question. Why did you disappear? Oh, why did I disappear? Okay, so um, we've got a kitchen bar, right? So it's like a little bar top on the kitchen that has like, it's made out of three pieces of granite. One of them is heavier and like shifted, right? And so it wasn't level anymore. And so we had somebody come out like last week, like last Wednesday to come fix it. Well, they took it off, put it on the kitchen floor. And then it's been like that like, over a week and we they disappeared. We can't find anybody to come fix it. We just have this huge piece of granite sitting on the kitchen floor. And I finally got some, nobody will answer my call. Nobody, like you can't find people to work on granite apparently. Oh, so I finally man. got somebody to come take a look at it and they showed up. Um, so I have no control over timing. It's just this guy called me like literally 10 minutes before he's going to show up. It was like, hey, <laughs> we're coming. Are, are they going to do it? I Maybe. I mean, he's going to give me a call back. It's just, no. I, I don't know. Um, I have a, I do I have a really good uh, granite guy if you need it. Stone. You guy, have a granite guy? Marble. Yeah, I do. Yeah. He's, he's I need, awesome. I, need, I, I don't, I mean, I'm sure I'm his crews are booked up like crazy right now, but I've had like he, a he did all the uh, stone on my house. Granite just sitting in my kitchen floor for over a week now. <laughs> um, I do want to say something about the meme stocks. As you know, you can social our meme stocks really easily, right? It's all about identifying that there's an expansion in the narrative or an expansion uh, in, in the conversation around a particular meme stock. And that's how I was social arbing meme stocks for the past like eight months. Uh, I just stopped doing that because like, it like turns my stomach when I spend too much time on meme stocks. And like, I haven't done it in a little while, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it. I'm just not doing it right now. Uh, so like, but yeah, I mean, guys, if you want to social arm a meme stock, you know, we've talked a lot about how to do that in the past and it's certainly possible. And I think you could have done it here with AMC for those of y'all that cared to kind of see what was driving that story. I know there was some narrative around GameStop. Uh, what, what is division. what is the rumor? Is, is it is it that is the Amazon rumor coming back? Is there some other driver in this? I, I don't even know what's going on with AMC right now. Uh, well, I don't know what's going on with AMC, but I know the GameStop, there's a GameStop NFT rumor going around and they've had some job listings and their head of blockchain is talking about this new project and there's some specs, some technical specs out on it. And like, I'm not sure what all that means, but there definitely is, uh, you know, there, there definitely is a little, uh, you know, hype around yeah. that. They're just literally like the news. I'm, it, they're calling it a meme stock rally, which to me that there's no reason for that. Right. And there's no long-term prognosis that these things are going to be worth more unless there's yet another short squeeze or some actual technical reason that the stock has to go higher. By the way, do you want to know something that's going to blow your mind on GameStop? The entire time we were trading GameStop last year, through all that craziness, right? And mm -hmm. we were like talking crap about, we were, th I was like, if I were the GameStop management team, I yeah. would do this. I would yeah. do this. All that time we we're saying that, I am so dumb that I didn't even realize that my old buddy and coworker, Frank Hamlin, was chief marketing officer at GameStop. 
last year. Like he was chief marketing officer. I could have picked up the phone and called him up and had breakfast with him at any point during the last year. And like, you know, he would have probably have blown me off whatever I wanted to do at GameStop, but I could have had the ultimate ear at GameStop. And I did not know that until a week and a half ago when my buddy, Pat, our buddy, Patrick, who used to mm -hmm. work with Frank as well. I was like, hey, do you know that Frank just left GameStop and got, you know, obviously probably got a crazy package and stuff. But like, do you know Frank left? I'm like, Frank was at GameStop? He's like, dude, he was their chief marketing officer. He just left. I'm like, what the? Are you <laughs> How kidding me? How did you me? not know that? Uh, but it you know, looking back, maybe it's bad because like if I would have done that, then I would have had this fear of like insider trading because like, you know, technically I'm talking to CMO behind the scenes. So I'm almost maybe glad I didn't because I, I don't have to worry about the SEC coming after me now. But dude, we could have been just hanging out with talking to them about like all our crazy NFT ideas. What a what GameStop a what a great guest to have on our live stream during all of the craziness. I maybe you know yeah, maybe we'll come on, wish him on the live stream now that he's no he's no longer there. So we could probably So yeah, no you know, insider information at that point. Yeah, have have him on now. Well but, the headline uh, yeah, is not, meme stocks were, rally and short sellers lose one point eight billion dollars. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be betting against any of these companies, but I just, I can't get my mind around buying junk meme stocks, but I did buy Dogecoin. So, I mean, and I'm, and I'm hodling it. If they're junk meme stocks. If, if there's an opportunity to social arbit, I don't care what it is. It could be a meme stock. It, it could be a, a crap coin. Um, no, I was, I was awesome in company. I was in these early on and I think I got out. I think i made money so in one, lost money in the other. Costs was the one that I made the most money in. Yeah. When that so was a shareholder, you're just like not allowed to talk to executives of the company. That doesn't make sense. Like, what if I sent, like, I own a little bit of Apple, right? But I also own Apple products. Could I not email Tim and be like, hey, it'd be really cool if you guys, you know, did, you know, got some new speakers on this laptop or whatever. And then, like, now all of a sudden I'm in an SEC violation. Like, they, they, that didn't seem right. No, they just can't give you any yeah. any material information that uh, right. isn't publicly available. But you could tell him, like, hey, it'd be cool if you guys did this. He yes. is the one with the information, so he couldn't yeah. say anything back to you about what they're doing. All of our great ideas, he could have taken those great ideas. Yeah, right. As soon as you have a call or a meeting, all I'm saying, dude, is it just it opens up a door to like, because they don't, you can't prove what didn't happen. Like, do you really want to deal with the investigation like i don't want to deal with any of that right like i just i just know how like, these guys write letters like you know what i mean like uh carl icon like he just he writes like a memo to the board or whatever is that why because that way it's like a one-way direct communication you know exactly what's Make on public it public at the same right? time to everyone yeah yeah I, I i don't i don't know i don't know uh listen i will yeah, say guys we are we are working on a number of uh, social ARB trades. Our community has some amazing high conviction reports. We've been digging into them. We're handpicking the ones that we think are worth having that we're interested in, that we want to go in deep on research like LVMH and bring to this channel. So if you haven't hit the notification bell, please do so that you know for sure uh, when we have the next one of these episodes. And if you haven't subscribed to our OG channel, which is just Dumb Money, not Dumb Money Live, but just YouTube forward slash Dumb Money, please do because we have a couple new creators we're excited to bring on the next couple of weeks and we'll be sharing their episodes there. And if you go um, to dumbmoney.tv, you can find all of the links to all of the places where we are. We're primarily doing the live show, but we are on all the socials. We're on, we have multiple YouTube channels. You should follow us everywhere, including yeah, and, Hey There and, Dave and here. Dave, can you just quickly tell us about 
I, I'm just fascinated with Mexico City. Like, how how was it? How was the trip? Was it awesome? Oh, or it what? was it was amazing. I didn't know what to expect from Mexico City, but we went to the neighborhood called Polanco, and we were staying at an Airbnb like a, two steps away from the park. And this park has the side streets going off of it, where every restaurant is amazing. And like for the moment I got there and had my first taco and margarita to the the moment I left, I was I, I basically I, I got on I got on real estate apps trying to just say, well, I want to move here. And this this unit right over there overlooking the park is for sale. It was very expensive and I don't know that I want to buy real estate in a foreign country, especially one that has earthquakes and that who knows about the uh, geopolitical risk there. But mm. um, I can see living there for, you know, six months at a time. If Mexico uh, City oh, has really? all sorts of weird stuff uh, going on because they're like, they're like beautiful. a lower place, right? So don't they have a lot of issues with Mexico soil, City? Like the whole area was uh, basically water. There was there was a yeah. little island, and the some like so I learned a lot of the history. I went to the uh, the Museum of Anthropology. No, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it right, but the Anthropology Museum, and it was just so it, everything was was great. Now I know that Mexico City goes on for forever, and looking out on you know the airplane window, you're like, oh yeah, that is a sea of humanity just as far as the eye can see. And not every spot in Mexico City is Polanco, but the neighborhood I was in, I fell in love with, and the uh, Uber ride to get there was not terrible. So I mean, I would I would definitely recommend Chris. You would love it. You you love a good margarita, Jordan. You would love it. We need to just take dumb money on the road and do a Mexico City yeah. because so I met I met so this this Jorge who recognized me in a bar and came up he um he is actually starting a fund that uh, helps Mexican people get their money out of the Mexican economy and basically invest in other interests. So it's like there's there's just like so much interesting things that we could we could even talk about if we were to uh, take the show on the road. That is pretty awesome, dude. Um, yeah, I feel like everywhere you go, you're like, I could live here six months out of the year. Like, I could live here six months I know. out of the year. I'm not going to have enough time. To live six months out of the year. I just need no. to make a list of all the places where I want to live six months out of the year and use long-term Airbnb rentals to do it. By the way, someone just asked about Vista Outdoors, which is on fire again. Um, by the way, like I, yeah, the Vista story just keeps getting better and better. The latest data essentially coming out. A lot of the research is showing that ammunition sales are going to be uh, in short supply, ready for this, for maybe as much as another two years, two years of short supply. So, and, and when I say short supply, they're making a ton of it. They're making more of it than they've ever made. I mean, demand is so strong uh, that you know, the people are forecasting for the next two years, they'll continue to be uh, more demand than supply. So just the story keeps but, getting better and better in Vista. Well, that was yeah, our Kristen, number one call of summer Vista 2020. It was talking about doing consumer um, subscriptions for ammunition. So Jordan, I read that on Twitter and I was trying to find the source story and I could not find it. I'm sure it's I true, but I just, I, yeah. Cause I don't remember where I, I read it. I just remember reading it in passing, but yeah, now, now that we mentioned it, I can't find anything on it either, but I did, I did yeah, read something about it. It could be false information. If it were true, that would be stunningly good information for the brand because yeah. that means that they can have a platform 
to go around the distribution channel and go straight to the consumer with the margins would be through the roof. Like honestly, Vista Outdoors, what a story. We are going to do some more episodes on the great outdoors part three uh, prior to this summer. Uh, I think there's a big storyline there. It just, it doesn't stop guys. Like, like the outdoor trade, just, it seems like it never ends. Um, so we'll be doing more research in that space as well, but Vista Outdoors. And wow. I can't, I cannot a find a, right a news article to uh, confirm that rumor. So that may be just wishful thinking from uh, someone on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 I agree. It's, it's absolutely, absolutely nuts. Uh, what else are people bringing up? Seat, uh, here. I don't know. What else guys? So Dave, you're, you're leaving again, right? You're leaving again and you'll be on a van yes. trip on and off on, for on a the while. Great, you can uh, have a studio. I, I'll have a studio in a box and we'll be, uh, we'll be touring. And I, uh, I had so much fun meeting a dumb money viewer in person that, uh, I'll try to host a meetup in various places where I am. So stay tuned and follow me on Twitter. Awesome. At Dave Hanson. Awesome. All right, dude. Well, listen, thanks for joining today, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, Dave, we'll see you next on the road, I guess, next week. On the road, yeah. And I, I'm not sure exactly which day we'll be doing it. So if you haven't subscribed and turned on notifications and set it to all, you, you're you going to miss the shows because uh, that's the only way to know when we're on. Yeah. We will that's talk about for this golf one. on the great outdoors. Uh, so much stuff, dude. Oh, well, real quick. Someone wants oh, to and we have worldwide developer NGA. conference coming up. I, I saw that uh, in, in the live chat. And Dave, I... are you in the camp that believes that they're going to introduce the new pros in the uh, developer conference? Or do you think it'll be later? I think that it would make sense for them to announce it and perhaps announce and give some very vague, uh, you know, specs the way they did when they announced the uh, the M1 chips to begin with, where they have just a line graph with no labels on the axis, just showing how much yeah. faster it's going to be. I would expect to see something like that at WWDC. And isn't that when we might, I, there, I cannot wait to just start reading the rumors. We're two weeks away, everyone. And maybe we can do a live stream, even though every time we do a live stream, Apple shuts us down. But I'd be, I'm going to be watching it anyway, so we might as well stream it. Hey guys, we've addressed this before, but I feel I should address it again because it is such a big part of the channel this last year. Um, uh, Ron Dutoit says, what's your latest thoughts on NGA LEV line electric? Thesis remains unchanged. Yes, thesis remains unchanged for us. It's It was the, by far the biggest losing trade we've had the last six months. If not for all the other insanely winning trades, my portfolio would be crushed just based on that sector. I have not sold, guys. I, I have all, I have kept in... I would love to add more, but again, the opportunity cost of adding more right now is selling companies that I have tremendous confidence in like the next 120 days. So like, I don't know when the EV, the EV stocks are going to come back. It could be a month from now or a year from now or two years from now. So I'm just holding, uh, my thesis hasn't changed at some point. If I have less high conviction trades and other stuff, I might go in even deeper on those trades, but I haven't yet. Yeah, the only one that like... I sold was CCIV, but I think we all sold CCIV. Me too. Um, at least Me too. Me too. Um, but everything else, the LAC, the LEV now, the ZEV, I, the FII, I still own all of those. Yeah. And I, I'm just yeah, uh, reading through here. EM says that he paid for a super trap that uh, never got answered. I, EM, I'm not will sure. you tell us what you asked and we will answer it? Just, yeah. Uh, I've I, I seen, but... seen you talking about that a lot. We, I did, and we don't we don't PM really pay attention to super it. chats because we're not trying to make money off of this show. The, that's yeah. a feature yeah. that YouTube has um, that we're you know 
We, we might we turn it off. Just turn it off, David. We can turn it off because I don't want people paying money. Let's see and if we getting, can turn it off. Feeling bad. Yeah, if we can, that'd be awesome. Here's thought. Um, okay, here, here's EM asking uh, thoughts on luxury good platforms such as FTCH. Uh, that's a uh, Farfetch, I think. Down forty percent from ATH after. Uh, oh, it went away too fast. I I haven't. No, quick answer. As, I haven't researched oh, it, so I really yeah. can't comment on it. Yeah, I, haven't, I, I really I haven't can't either. comment on it. I just. Yeah, sorry, buddy. I, if I if I had researched it, I'd comment, but I haven't. Far, Farfetch um, is you know, another one of those um, like resellers of luxury places, right? It's like people selling stuff. Yeah, is is definitely. it kind of like a Poshmark? So, yeah, I get I, that as a thesis. Yeah, I, I, and if I, it's I, down forty percent, I I just don't. That's not something that we've really researched. And then also, Mister Super Gibbs wants to know about other luxury plays like Richmond or Swatch or Watch plays. Excuse me, on the consumer side. Again, haven't researched it. I don't know. Could be good. Could be bad. Like sometimes I think when it comes to this reopening trade, it's it's not a matter of like I think a, a rising tide kind of lifts all boats. It's so, so it's a matter of picking the ones that you have the most confidence in. So it's like picking the like for example, you can make a really good case that all the beer companies and all the liquor companies are going to do really well the next year, right? So why did I could have invested in Budweiser or Sam Adams? You know, like my thesis was. Well, yes, but I invested in in Molson Coors because I feel like they'll they'll benefit from that. But then they also have Topo Chico Hard Seltzer, which is a game changer, and they also have the Rocks, uh, you know, Zoa Energy. So they have multiple things going on. So I picked them over picking Budweiser uh, and Sam Adams. Same thing for luxury goods. Like which one you want to pick? Like yeah, I, you could make a case that all of them will outperform this year. I just like the collab strategy on LVMH. I think they're killing it uh so like i said do, if you do the research if you guys do the research put it in discord and and let's you know let's hash it out and see if there's other great great ones out look at this five-day chart on amc up 120 percent. look at this one-day chart on amc oh. up 50 percent. what is going gosh, on gosh david's sick i'm so happy for our friend jerry who is in that man he's crushing it crushing it crushing it right now um, Good for him, man. Good Kenneth wants him. to know if we ended up talking with uh, Build a Bear Workshop about doing a Doge, um, a, a dumb money Doge. Uh, oh, by the way, they also need. No, they also stupid. No. They should be doing a Louis Vuitton beer. Are, are they doing that? Wait, or, are they or doing should Louis Vuitton they do Vuitton that? Beer? No, no, no. <laughs> um, by the way, guys, I know this. Chris is like, insane, bye, bye, bye. Like, <laughs> I have a, I have a lot of really strong ideas on Build a Bear. We might need to do a whole follow up show. Uh, because I just, I haven't sold any of my Build-A-Bear. I actually added more Build-A-Bear yesterday morning before it popped another 30%. Um, I added more. Wow. I, I am, like I said, I'm almost a 1% shareholder in Build-A-Bear. And I'm thinking, I'm contemplating becoming an activist shareholder and oh, no. like forcing some things down the road. So you just have to write a memos, right? So you can't call somebody. You gotta, you gotta send the memo. That way the SEC knows all the communication. I've been talking to people about what I can do if I choose to go down that road. Um, I think that... Yeah, this I is, think this is the five-day chart for Build-A-Bear. It's up 60%. What is going what? on? Do you know, guys, that I am like at this point, I'm almost like a, I'm a, like a, sev, a seven-figure gainer. 
in Build-A-Bear, dude. That, that's enough Build-A-Bears to buy like a Build-A-Bear for everybody in our community at this point. Please dude, tell me that's not what you're much, doing with the money. how much I've made. That's how much <laughs> I've made in Build-A-Bear, dude. It's it's crazy, dude. Crazy. Um, But what if we get the whole community just to like, we aggregate all of our Build-A-Bear shares and see how, see how much a Build-A-Bear we own. And then we go in there and try to force them into an NFT strategy partnering with Funko, which is what I want to do. I want them to partner with Funko. I want them to get on Funko's NFT platform, which they've already researched and they have all worked out with a very similar strategy. I want Build-A-Bear to start doing really cutting edge collabs. I want tons and tons of Build-A-Bear collabs the next 10 years. I want, I want them to mimic the Crocs model and mimic the Funko model, kind of blend the two models, do collabs every single month. And I think Build-A-Bear can become a billion dollar company. It's a $150 million company right now, market cap. So that's my build, That's my activist Build-A-Bear plan. I don't know if I'm going for it yet though. I might have to buy um, another 1% of the company from the Take Me Seriously. As, as the um, as the comments are saying, Kenneth says, uh, dumb money's gonna be insider trading as soon as you become an executive at Build-A-Bear Workshop. <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking to one of my uh, Wall Street buddies yesterday and he's like, how funny would it be if like <laughs> dumb money, Chris joined the board of Build-A-Bear. <laughs> It'd be like, hilarious. It would be amazing, actually. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, like they, I'm telling you, dude, they, they have me flagged as like a, a creeper at the local Build-A-Bear at, at uh, Galleria. Like I go up there so often to do channel checks. I'm taking photo. I'm taking photographs of like the merch, and they probably think I'm taking photographs of kids. I don't blame them. I'm surprised they haven't outright like banned me from the store at this point. <laughs> and then but you just pull up your portfolio and say, uh, "I own the company." <laughs> if I was there with my child and you were there taking pictures, I would call the police. And you know, you know how goofy I dress when I do these channel checks. I'm just like a total, total weird dude. Like I, I don't. Blame you get them. a bear. I, I, you I, get I, a bear. You get a bear. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let, all right. Let's uh, let's go. All right, guys. Thanks. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching. We are Dumb Money. We will see you back here next week. Have a great weekend. Mm -hmm.